farther than Paul and Silas when they were imprisoned and they started singing praises and praying to God and not only were their shackles released but the shackles of every prisoner around them as they sang praises to God so praise God through where you are and if you're in an awesome spot praise God through that and with a joyful heart join us as we sing and lift the Lord's name on high this morning
Amen. We're going to close this morning's portion of worship. We're living in such a time where America, religion, everything has become so polarized that we focus so much on the things that we disagree on instead of the things that we do agree on. So we're going to end this morning just proclaiming that Jesus Christ is Lord, and hopefully that is something that we can all come together in unity as the body of Christ, in our faith, in our belief. God longs for his body to be unified with one another just as we are unified with him and just as he is unified with his son. So I invite you, as a church body, let's proclaim these things that we believe and let's just solidify our faith as a body in the spirit as we glorify the Lord this morning. Will you join me?
hear that proclamation from us, your body, this morning. We know that throughout Scripture you tell us that you value our faith, so help us to be a church of faith through these times, through a time and a season that may seem like it's testing, full of trial, God. May we lean into you once again and always as our rock, as our foundation. We look to you as the answer to all of life's questions, God. We dedicate the service to you for your glory. We invite your spirit in to interact with each individual here, God. Soften our hearts. Speak to us. Through Steve, anoint him, we pray. We offer all this to you in your name. And all God's children this morning join in saying, Amen. You can sit down. Good morning. First of all, I guess I should insert. My name is Rob. I work here at Northview. I work with the middle school and high school students. Um, we are live. I have to give one shout out. If you are new or visiting this morning, uh, you might not know this. If you did, it might be kind of weird. Um, but my wife and I had a son over the summer. He's at home right now. I just want to say, Jackson, good morning. You better be listening to your mom right now. They'll hopefully be here at second service. Uh, but it's important as we get ready to head into the school year, we have a lot going on, uh, as you'll see in a moment. It's important to stay connected. You can see some of the ways we're doing it there. We're not handing out uh, paper right now, but you can head online, and there's lots of ways to stay connected. One of the big things that's starting up is for the ladies of Northview, women's Bible studies are returning. Uh, you can see there's two different ones up there, a Thursday morning and a Sunday afternoon. Uh, and it's important that you guys know, I know not everyone is comfortable meeting in person, there's going to be an online component. So if there's enough that sign up that want to join online, we will set up a Zoom Bible study. Whatever we can do to help you stay connected. Uh, and you can see the description of both of those studies. Uh, if you head to nvu.org, you can take a look. I want to encourage ladies, get signed up. This is an awesome time to be plugged in with others and plugged in with Scripture. If you have a, a little one this morning, today is kind of a fun day as we're going to talk about uh, for this and in a moment. 
This is the last Sunday of Kids Online Church. So if you've seen kids over the last few weeks uh, with headphones in, looking at their phone or a tablet, it's okay. It's allowed. They're, they're attending church service. Kayla, our children's director, has put some stuff together for them. But this is the last Sunday because next Sunday we are restarting kids and youth during service uh, on Sunday mornings. We're super excited for that. Hey, there we go. It's awesome. Uh, one thing is kids, so that's through fifth grade, will only be during first service, so during the 9 o'clock. Um, that's so that Kayla and her team can get their rhythm reestablished. You can imagine for children's ministry, there's a lot that's needed. And so she just asked, let's go one service for them while we get some of that stuff figured out. Uh, if you have a middle school student that's sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, that takes place during first service. And high school, 9, 10, 11, 12, takes place during second service. Uh, I know for some of us, it's been a while for middle school and high school, so a quick refresh. We're going to start in here. We're not going to have a student section set up for worship. You're going to hang out with your families, but we want to invite you still come and engage in worship. And then after announcements, we will head out and we will go upstairs to the youth room, middle school during first, high school during second. Uh, next week, we're actually going to be starting with uh, celebrations. We're going to be, we're excited. It's been over six months since we've had kids and youth services. So during both middle school and high school service. We're going to have a party. Uh, myself and Zeb, he's right there. He's our middle school director. We're really hoping, and please don't laugh, we're really hoping we can do it outside. Um, don't look at the weather. Don't tell me it's supposed to rain on Sunday. I already know that, but we're holding out hope that we can do something in the back parking lot here. If not, we'll do it upstairs in the youth room. It'll still be great. Uh, but there's one more thing, one more important piece of information about next Sunday. Second service, which for the last uh, two months has been at 11 o'clock to allow our cleaning team time to get everything sanitized and everything we need to do. They're so efficient, we don't need all of that time, so we are going back to 10.30. So for years and years, we've been 9 and 10.30, we are heading back to 10.30 starting next Sunday. If you look around and you're like, I have friends that attend second service, please help us. We'll be communicating it out, but please help us with that as well. So next Sunday, kids and youth are back. Second service at 10.30. And as always for the last, as our, our new norm, even though I, man, I hate that phrase right now, our new norm is not passing the buckets, but in the bu uh, back by the doors, you can see buckets, as well as uh, if you want to give online, you can do that. There's lots of ways. Thank you, Northview, for your generosity during this season. Uh, if you've been absent, like we've paid off our Move the Mountain loan. We're able to start heading into some new exciting things. Uh, if you want information on that, you can talk to one of us on staff. You can head to the website, get caught up. It's very exciting. Uh, but let's go before the Lord this morning as Steve gets ready to come up. Uh, would you join me in a word of prayer? Lord, as always, I'm so incredibly humbled by the generosity and obedience uh, of this congregation. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the ministry in the Mill Creek, Bothell area that uh, it allows us to engage in. Lord, as we get ready to head back for kids and youth services, may you keep us safe and protected. May it be an awesome opportunity to re-engage and reconnect with one another and to really dive into what it means to follow you. Be with us this morning, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Steve, come on up. Thanks, Rob. Good morning, everybody. Good to see you. Welcome. And those of you watching at home, welcome. And uh, boy, thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for the rain. Is that good or what? Yes. I hope it rains some more this week. That's the difference between us and Arizona. We are northwest. We have webs between our toes. 
they were drying out and cracking. We need to get them going again. So, boy, that, but the, taking the fire danger off, that's phenomenal. Really, really grateful for that. I got a couple of things that we want to share with you before we actually kick into the message. Number one, uh, we have made uh, an official offer to James and Sarah Lund uh, for them to come on staff, or James to come on staff in the associate role. They are prayerfully considering that right now. This is James and Sarah and their family. They are consider- they're praying through that through this week, and I uh, want to make sure they hear from the Lord as well. So would you join in prayer with that? We want the Lord's best on that. They also have an offer from another church, so uh, there's a couple things competing there, so we'll see what Jesus does, but we hope that he brings them this way. And we'll let you know more next Sunday. Uh, secondly, we'd like to remind you just to be in prayer for our chairman, Steve Doton, who's going through chemo treatments for a blood disorder that he has. And if you'd keep him in prayer and that that would be successful. Uh, he's a beloved friend, he and Janelle, and they've been here since day one. So keep them in prayer. And then number three, we'd like to invite you, as you can see up on the screen, to come back on Saturday night and join us for a prayer night. I think all of us recognize it's a pretty volatile time in our culture and in our country, and uh, it would be a good time to pray. This is uh, coinciding with, as any of you read Jonathan Kahn or follow him, uh, The Harbinger, The Harbinger 2, if you've read that stuff, um, they're doing a, a, a prayer rally at the mall in Washington. Uh, James Dobson, Franklin Grant, and Graham Lotz, a bunch of them are all joining in on that, all people we know and follow and, and support. So, uh, that will be in the mall, and we will have a prayer time uh, on Saturday night at 6.30. So, by the way, it also that Saturday, the 26th, marks the sailing of the Mayflower, the 400th anniversary of the sailing of the Mayflower. So, some kind of significant historical stuff there. So, anyways, if you want to, join us Saturday night at 6.30. We're going to go for about an hour, right? We're just going to come do some worship, we're going to pray, and then, and then go home. So we'd like to invite you to that. All right. We probably should pray after all that stuff, right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we come this morning, our world is tumultuous. It's chaotic. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on. And this is a place and a time where we can synchronize and come into your spirit and have peace. And Lord, this is a place where we can Uh, learn more about you. This is when you can speak to us corporately as a family, as you've been speaking individually, as we've had quiet times and prayer, Lord, and and sought you during the week. Uh, There's something special you do when we gather together. There's ways you can operate that don't happen otherwise. And so we seek you this morning. We ask that you would be with us and that your manifest presence would be here. And we ask, Lord, as we talk about your gospel this morning and the sharing of it, that you will bring life to it. And we give this to you in your name. Amen. All right. So uh, for those of you who just joined us, if you're new this morning or you're watching this morning and you have uh, not been a part, would like to uh, just give a brief review of the past two weeks and what we've been able to cover so that you can just get a gist and, and follow along with us. Uh, we've been working through our mission statement, Northview's mission statement, and uh, we, just to give clarity for who we are as a church. And our mission statement is this, Northview Community Church, all right, that's us, Northview Community Church is committed to encouraging people to become like Jesus. 
That is a lot harder than it sounds, right? And uh, if you've walked with the Lord any length of time, usually the longer you walk, the farther away you seem to get, <laughs> right? Because you start becoming aware of the vastness of God and the integrity of God and the holiness of God. And Wow, but we got to keep leaning into that. But we're committed to encouraging people to become more like Jesus by one, celebrating God, two, serving one another, and three, sharing his love with our world. Celebrating God has, we talked through, uh, Shannon just did a wonderful job on that, three components. The first is to love God. The second is to worship God. And the third is to listen to God. And what we said about those three things is that the most important aspect of that, when you think about this morning, whether you're here or you're at home watching and you're, you're joining in with us, it's a get to, not a have to. Okay? We get to worship God. We get to love God. We get to listen to God. And so it, it's a get to. That's the celebrate kind. You don't have to go to a birthday party. You get to go to a birthday party. Right? And so we want to keep that, that side of it. Then the next week, the serving God, we said the components were uh, being other-centered, not just focusing on our own interests, but focusing on the interests of others. And we're not to be sluggish or bury our gift. All of us have a gift. We've all been given grace gifts. Some of them are intuitive, uh, built into us just in our personality, and the Holy Spirit enhances it. Some of us, we've been given an actual grace gift when we came to know the Lord. Be that whichever way it is, uh, we're not to be sluggish or bury our gift. Remember that God is looking for an increase in the gifts he's given us. Becoming like Jesus, if you want to put that in a nutshell, that means becoming a servant. Serving others. That's what Jesus did, that's what we're supposed to do. And then we said last week also that uh, the power of that lies in community groups, lies in small groups. It's hard to do that on a large scale. We can as a church, we can mobilize all of us, but it's easier done, better done, uh, more efficiently done in small groups. We call them community groups here at Northview. And we'd encourage you to check that out and get into one. And a part that I didn't get a chance to go into, but really that's all for the healing of the body. Okay, That's why you do all this stuff is so that people can get healthy. People can get emotionally healthy. People can get spiritually healthy. People can, um, you know, many times when people come to Norfolk, uh, and this might even be true of you, many times they're broken by life or by their sin, right? I mean, uh, people that come piling in sometimes are train wrecks, and uh, they need a place where they can heal. And, and so many of the ways, if you think about it, so many of the ways in which Jesus served involved healing. Go back through the New Testament and read, and he healed a lot of people, and that's what we believe will happen as we fellowship and worship together is that a healing will take place. And again, the, we really believe the best place for that to take place is in a small group, and that community groups are a place where you can hit another level uh, of relationship that you can't hit in the large service. So uh, we pointed that out. All right, so those were the first two weeks. So this week, we look at the third component in our mission statement, which is sharing God's love with our world. The very first thing that must be noted 
is that the gospel, the good news, is meant to be shared. Look with me, if you would, in 1 Corinthians 15. That's a very famous chapter. But Paul says this. He starts out by saying, For I delivered to you as of first importance what I received. And who did he receive it from? He received that from Jesus, right? Remember Paul's story, he got knocked off the horse and blinded, and he saw a vision. And Paul received the gospel directly from Jesus. But he said, Corinthians, when I came to you, the very first thing, the most important thing that I shared was this gospel. What's the gospel? That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. By the way, that's still really good news. That, I don't care what our world says. I don't care who poo-poo's it. I personally think that's awesome news for my life. Okay? And I hope you do for yours as well. Because I can't cover my stuff. And never could. Can't now. And I, I just think that's fantastic news. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. That he was buried. That he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. We call that Easter, right? And that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. And then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. That means they died. And then if you go on in that passage, Paul, and then lastly, Paul says, he appeared to the most least unlikely one, that would be me, because I persecuted the church, but I am doing what I do because of the grace that was extended to me. So Paul knew what it was like to be forgiven. Paul knew what it was like to be affected by the gospel. His life was radically changed. Uh, even gellium means good news, right? That there's something powerful going on here. Remember Linus? Remember Charlie Brown Christmas? And uh, he stands there with his towel and he comes out and says, I can tell you what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Remember that? And what does he say? An angel has come to the shepherds and says, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. Great tidings of good joy. That's what the gospel is. And we need to remember that. We need to remember that the gospel is not a political position. The gospel is not a certain stance. The gospel is not uh, what you do or don't embrace. But the gospel is the power of God to free people. And it's the best news the world has ever gotten. Now, it's gotten twisted. It's gotten charred. It's gotten bent. It's gotten all kinds of things over history. But it's still the gospel. And that's why we're gathered here this morning, because we believe the gospel. And here's... The great news about the great news. Like that? Norfew was planted and exists to share this great news. That's why we were planted. The godly nation of Bothell, Washington, had a church called North Shore Baptist Church that felt that the heathen outlier communities, such as Mill Creek, desperately needed a missions field. It desperately needed a missions front. And somebody had to go out into the wilderness and share the good news with those pagans in those lost communities. And so North Shore, out of great faith, took a group of people, many of you I'm looking, you were part of that, and you launched into that community believing that God would do something in that community with the great news. We have never given up that hope. We are not giving up that hope right now. 
We do not think we've failed. We do not think it's been in vanity. We do not think it's futility. We believe God has planted us for a reason. We were planted to share this great news, both corporately and individually. And I want to say this, in sharing the gospel, there's something very practical. It's not theoretical. It's not uh, spiritual. All this. There's something very practical that happens when you actually share the gospel with someone. Uh, if you look at Philemon 1.6, in the ESV it says this, it says, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is, that is in us for the sake of Christ. Right? I like the NIV 1984 version much better. It reads like this, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. Let me read that again. I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith, so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing that we have in Christ. In other words, there are some things we cannot understand as believers until, unless, we actively share our faith with somebody. There's something that opens up. God opens a window. God brings clarity. We can see things we couldn't see before when we actively share our faith. There is nothing, there is nothing like sharing your faith uh, in Christ with someone and watching the kingdom of God be born in them right as they sit across the table from you. It's a powerful experience. It cements your faith in ways that otherwise can't be cemented. And that's what Paul is saying here in the book of Philemon. Some things about the kingdom get revealed that otherwise wouldn't be revealed. You, you gain a depth you otherwise wouldn't have. In other words, for us to be mature in Christ, we need to share Christ with others. That's part of the breath of the Christian life. Obviously, discipleship is the other side of it, right? And the church keeps swinging between those two. And if you stay there long enough, you watch them swing by as they go. But sharing Christ is really important. Now, having said all that, I think most of us would affirm that. Most of us here are watching would say, yep, yep, got it, Pastor Steve, that's good. Uh, that's important, we should do that. But here's, here's where it gets tricky, in case you haven't noticed, we live in a very polarized society where nowadays you, it's hard to have a conversation just about anything, right? And people flare. And it doesn't really matter what it is. And the good news in our society is not painted that way. We're actually painted as haters. We're actually painted as counterculture. We're painted as the people who, if we could just get rid of them, our, our society and culture could work the way it's supposed to. We're the judgmental ones, we're the bigoted ones. Uh, that is how the good news is perceived or received these days. And we sense that tension, right? Right? Uh, you don't have, if you're in the workplace, if you're shopping, if you're in a conversation, you're, you're very aware of that tension. Most of us, uh, are not afraid of the gospel. Most of us are just trying to be smart. But eventually, we can end up never saying anything because of that pressure and that tension. And regarding that tension, I want to say this. 
You have got to know where you stand and, and anchor to Christ before the pressure hits so that when the pressure hits, you know exactly where you stand. In other words, you need to practice sharing your faith so that you know where you stand so that when pressure really does hit, you're solid on it because you've rehearsed it before. You've seen it before. You know how it works. And there's one thing that you've got to resolve before the pressure hits, and that's this. Scripture tells us a lot about this. It's, you've got to decide personally, as you're sitting or watching this morning, you've got to decide personally whether you are for or ashamed of Jesus and his words. Okay, ultimately, there's going to be a push point. Ultimately, there's going to be no give. Ultimately, the middle is going to get squeezed out and you're going to be forced to declare one way or the other where you stand. And you've got to resolve that before the pressure hits. And the question is, am I for or am I ashamed of Jesus and his words? Jesus actually talked about this it's one thing not to know how to share and not be very good at it. It's another thing to be embarrassed of Jesus and his message. Those are two polar opposite thoughts. Jesus said this, if you look at Mark 8, 38, Whoever is ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. That passage, if you go and look at the larger passage, is also the passage that said, therefore whoever wishes to follow me must take up his cross and follow me daily. And the idea there is that the cross is cost. It's going to cost you something to stand for Jesus. And the question is, if we're embarrassed of him, and Jesus calls this a, an adulterous and sinful generation, then the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with his holy angels. So what this really boils down to, okay, don't, don't get into the heavy guilt side. Okay, I know where Satan will go at this. Just loosen up a little bit, right? What this really boils down to is fear. And it's a question of fear of man versus fear of God. Which is the greater fear? Am I more concerned with what people think about me and what my neighbors would think about me, what my friends, or am I more concerned about what I think God would think about me? That's really a helpful way to put that into context and to balance it, to be able to balance it out. We are not to fear them, but we are to fear God and to trust Him. Paul adds this, in case you think that's an outlier comment in the New Testament, Paul adds this in 2 Timothy by saying this, we usually don't focus on this much and we scoot by it, but he says this, the saying is trustworthy, or this is a trustworthy statement. You can put your weight down on this. If we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. That's one of those, uh, what people call the hard sayings in the New Testament, right? But it points to the fact that God is looking for loyalty and faithfulness, and he's looking for those who will fear him more than they fear man. 
and that we have got to resolve that. Paul, by the way, if you're looking at 2 Timothy and wondering when did Paul actually write that, Paul wrote this book during his second imprisonment, second imprisonment in Rome. Uh, his life would end there very shortly in 64 AD. So this is some of Paul's last words, the last book that he actually wrote before he became a martyr for the cause of Christ. This means that when you're threatened, bullied, pressured, mocked, or ridiculed for believing in Jesus, you stand strong. And you have to be able to give a good defense. Now, the problem is, for most of us, that when we're threatened, bullied, pressured, mocked, or ridiculed, how well do you do when that happens to you? Okay. My natural human reaction is to retaliate. My natural reaction is somebody wants to punch me through the wall, I'm going to punch them through a wall. That's a great attitude for a pastor, isn't it? Don't you like that? Yeah, Rich is back there nodding. I'm with you, Rich. Come on, we got it. <laughs> right? Isn't it? Isn't that so? And yet, we're encouraged to take a completely uh, different tack. Paul mirrors another place, what we said earlier in the letter. Look at the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. He says what? For I am not ashamed of the gospel. And think about that. Think about Paul. Think about what he lost. Think about what he gained. He says, you know what? I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You've got to resolve that. Am I or am I not embarrassed by the gospel? Yes, Christians can be embarrassed by the gospel. And you've got to resolve that. As the pressure's mounting, am I for it or am I against it? And what Paul's saying is, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That would include him. To the Jew first and also to the Greek, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. So Paul is saying to this to other people and saying this of himself, I know where I stand, and I know why where I stand. So we need to be ready and prepared when, when God presents us with what we call in the Christian life divine encounters. Divine encounters are these meetings that God sets up with other people where, wow, how did that happen? Right? And, and you find yourself sharing Christ with people. <clears throat> Peter starts... Uh, uh, this passage, I'll, I'm going to show you a passage that Peter uses, and he starts this passage with this. And, and um, look at 1 Peter chapter 3. It says, have no fear of them. He's talking about when this all happens, when you're getting bullied and, and all that kind of stuff. Have no fear of them. I find that easier to say than actually do. Have no fear of them or be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ as the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason of the hope that's in you, yet what? Now here's the hard part. Do this with gentleness and respect. Now that's kind of hard when someone's firing on you to answer back in an even-keeled way. You've got you've to anticipate that. But what I want to suggest is you get good at what you practice. If you're practicing this, when somebody blows up on you, you'll be able to respond in an even-keeled way simply because you've been there before. 
If it's the very first time you've tried it, your knees are going to shake, your voice is going to go like this, right? And squeak out, and, and you're going to be all shook up, and you won't know how to respond because it's the very first time. If you've done it several different times and gotten different reactions from people, you'll know, hey, they can react the way they want. I just have to be faithful and sharing, and I need to do it with gentleness and respect. And the idea here is to have a good conscience, that in my heart, in my conscience, I'm doing what God has asked me to do, regardless of the consequences. And Peter says, so that when you're slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And Peter says, now, who is there to harm you if you're doing good? But even if that should happen, have a clear conscience knowing that you did the right thing. Uh, We're going to come back to the first part of this passage next week because I was going to move on to Philippians and I hit this first, have no fear of them nor be troubled. And I looked at our culture and I looked at where we're going and I looked at this fall and said, you know what? I've got to say something about how we go into the fall because I think it's going to be a tumultuous fall. And I want to give us some coaching and instructions on how to do it because I think we've got to have the same signals together and lean in together in the same direction. So we're going to add one week to this and then we'll open with Philippians, but we'll come back to that. Um, But notice that under pressure, there are some instructions for how we're to witness. Number one, we should be ready ahead of time. We should have thought it through. We should think about how we're actually going to respond. Number two, we should do this with gentleness and respect. So much of this has to do with tone. Okay, couples, you know this. You ever said the right thing the wrong way in your marriage? How well does that go? But I said the right thing. I don't care. You were being a jerk, right? With your tone. Ah. Okay, so God is, Peter here is instructing, and by the way, why would Peter know that? Duh, right? Peter obviously knew that he had a problem with gentleness and respect. Number three, we should have a good or a clear conscience while we do it. In other words, our motives have to be right. It's not so much what we're doing, but why we're doing. And then number four, we should be willing to suffer for doing good. If it means that something blows up on me and I've done the best I possibly can, I've thought it through, I talked as as respectfully and gently as I could, and something still blew up, then I've got to be willing to suffer for good. That's okay. I think that's the tripping point for a lot of us. Okay, so here's where the rubber meets the road. So how do we do this in a culture that isn't even asking the question? Any of you wrestle with that? How do we do this in a culture that isn't even asking the question, doesn't even want to know? Right? Oh, you're religious. Well, no, I'm not religious. I'm a believer. Right? That, you face that pressure. And here's full disclosure. If you're sitting there this morning and you're waiting for the hammer to drop and be made to feel guilty because you haven't led anyone to Christ, let me lay this on the table for you. I myself am a lousy evangelist, all right? Just need to know that. Full, honest confession. I am terrible, and um, I haven't led many people to Christ either. 
I can think of three seasons, as I've looked back over 40 years of ministry, I can think of three seasons where actually I saw stuff happen. First was the youth group years at North Shore. Tons of kids came to Christ. Second was family ministries at North Shore. I remember one season when in the spring, I led five couples to Christ in a row. Had never seen anything like that in my life. It was unbelievable. Never happened before, never happened again. And then the early years here at Northview, we had all kinds of people who come to know to Christ. And so I have seen seasons, but personally, uh, if, uh, when I, we moved into our house in our neighborhood, we live in the meadows in Mill Creek, and uh, Pam and I began to pray that 10% of, of the meadows would come to know Christ and would come to Northview and, and would be part of our church family here. You want to know how many of those people have come to Northview in that 16-year period? Goose egg, zero, nada, zilch. Okay? As a matter of fact, not only have they not come, nobody's come to Christ. Well, one family's come to Christ, but they moved. And then they came to Christ. Like, really? You're kidding me. Seriously? So if you're feeling that, I'm with you. All right? But here's what I'm suggesting. I've also been around long enough uh, to know that there are seasons to ministry that God can open up things that haven't been opened up before, that what has been closed, God can provide an open door, that what looks terrible can actually be something really good. And so I am thinking that as we go into this fall, this could be an incredible season of sharing Christ with other people, and the question is, how do we do it? Um, You know, when it comes to, and by the way, when it comes to... uh, witnessing to neighbors, right? We, Shannon did that series when I was gone on the sabbatical called The Fine Art of Neighboring. Remember that one? And you do all these things. I've mowed my neighbor's lawns. I have shoveled their snow. Pam and I have given them gifts at Christmas. We've invited them Northview stuff. Nothing. Right? So if you've been there, I get that. Okay, so you're not going to get pressure. Uh, you better do better, better do harder. I think we just need to pray a little more. All right? So if you want to feel bad about your evangelistic track record, we can wallow in that puddle together. All right? That's what I'm thinking. All right. But there's some good news. There have been some decent seasons of body life here at Northview. There have been some real seasons when many people came to Christ, when we did a lot of baptisms, when, when things happened like that. And we live for that. We're excited about there. And there are people here at Norfu trying to crack the code. We've tried to crack it with discipleship. We've tried to crack it. Uh, Bob and Michelle Lansing and a whole group of other people uh, helped run Alpha for several years, uh, hoping to break through in the community. Right now, uh, Phil Wagner has been running an evangelism class. We haven't done it since COVID hit, but been running an evangelism class and, and trying to get people to actively share and figure out ways to do that. Uh, we have consistently prayed for a revival, and we will not stop doing that. So instead of bombing down the guilt trail, uh, which is so easy to go, here's what I'm thinking. I've been around long enough, as I said, to know that there's seasons of ministry. And I'm thinking, um, looking at this fall, and thinking, what if things actually don't get better? Any of you looked at that? Any of you, you know, I've been telling people, you know, you thought this thing would be done with three months ago. 
right? Yeah. Oh. And like, has it gone longer than you thought? Yes. Are you exhausted with it? Yes. Right now you're going, I want to tear this stupid mask off. Like, right? Amen. Yeah, right? But what I'm thinking is that in terms of a kingdom perspective, that may actually be a good thing. It may not be a comfortable thing to go through, but it may actually be a good thing in terms of a kingdom perspective. Listen, track with me, see, see if this makes sense to you. I'm discovering and talking to people, and it really doesn't matter where it is, and most of the time they have no idea who I am, so it really doesn't make any difference. But I'm, in talking to people, I'm finding out that uh, they're tense. They're nervous. They're, they're feeling pressure. Uh, they're wondering what's next. And that's true, uh, that's true of the weather, right? Again, thank God for the rain and taking the edge off of that. But, um, you know, Oregon and California are just devastated right now. That's true of the elections. Anybody feel any tension over the elections, right? By the way, I just want to say this. It doesn't matter who's going to win. It's going to be hell in a handbasket no matter what. And no side's going to be happy. And stuff's going to fly worse after the election than before. So uh, that's where that one's going to land. That's true of the economy. You've, you've run into any nervousness with tension over the economy, right? That's true of the, you know, BLM, defund the police department stories and realities, right? That's clashing and bashing against itself. And so I've been giving this a lot of thought, as I'm sure you have. And I've wanted, I want to share with you what I've come to. Here's, here's where I've resolved. Some of you might remember that I threw out a declaration that I would land on if we ran into persecution, okay? And it's this statement, I am a believer in and a follower of the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and I believe the Bible's the word of God, all right? If, if I got thrown in a jail cell or got pinned, I would say, this is what I would tell people. And I've been rehearsing this out loud in my garage or when I'm driving the car. I'm a believer in and a follower of the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe the Bible's the word of God. But that's not really a helpful statement because what I realize is that um, it's a declarative statement and it really doesn't invite any kind of conversation. It, as a matter of fact, it creates less conversation. So I went, well, that's not going to help me a whole lot. So I've been thinking it through, and here's what I've come up with. Now, understand, these are just my thoughts, okay? You may have a, a, a different way or a, a better idea how to do this, and it's all good, but uh, this is how I'm going to do it. So imagine you're in your neighborhood, right, or work or wherever, put, put yourself there, and um, uh, you're, it could be the store, at the mechanic shop, it really doesn't matter. And it would kind of go like this. So let's call the person Joe. If the person would be a gal, it'd be Jennifer, Joe and Jennifer, right? We'll call them that. And uh, so I'd walk in and say, hey, Joe, how's it going? You know, small talk, greetings, chatter, easy questions to ask these days. And uh, like last week, the question on the table would have been, hey, what do you think of all this smoke? Right? Because everybody was talking about it. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere and they weren't talking about the smoke. Or it could be, well, what do you think about the election? That'll sure get a rise, right? Or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And Joe or Jennifer will respond with their critique. Right? And, um, and usually it will end with great pensiveness 
or anger or fear. And this is the statement I came up with. Yeah, I know. That's why I've personally really re-anchored myself in the Lord Jesus and his promises in a time like this. And they go, why do you say that? Well, because I'm a believer in and a follower of the risen and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe the Bible's the word of God. And I believe God has talked about times like these and he's told us to anchor. And it gives me great confidence knowing that regardless of what happens, God's got this. This hasn't caught him by surprise. That's, that's great assurance to me that God knows what's going on and he knows what's happening. So it just seems wise to stay close, as close to him as humanly possible. And that's what I've done. And from here, the conversation can end or can go in a different direction or they may possibly even ask more questions. But at the very least, at the very least, I've given a defense for the hope that is within me with gentleness and respect. Right? And so I've been practicing this. And sometimes I get part of it out, and sometimes I get half of it out, and sometimes I'm ready and nothing happens. Uh, but I've been practicing this, sharing with people as I've run into them. I actually found that I, I get somewhere with this. And so I'm going to keep, keep doing that. And I will have a good conscience about making a good faith effort to be a witness. Now again, you do not have to follow this pattern. I wanted you to see where my thoughts went and what I've been trying to put together. Um, you, you're more than welcome to create your own. If you come up with a better one, um, that'd be fantastic. But I throw this out so you have something to bounce against. How would you respond, right, when people respond with the elections or the smoke or, or that kind of stuff? How... How would you do it? Uh, as I said, we're going to extend this idea one more week just because uh, there's some ideas I think we need to coach on as we go into the fall. But here's what I'm thinking. If things get worse, and it's highly likely that they might, this may actually be our finest hour as a church. Because as the culture crumbles, you no longer can hide behind a veneer. You no longer can hide behind a mask. How's that one? You like that one? Okay. As the culture crumbles, pressure and things, people are going to pop, and that's where you can have something, something to say. People may actually be in a place where they want a dialogue. Right? It's interesting you say that. I haven't thought about that for over 10 years. Talk to me about that. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Ephesians 5 says this, Look carefully, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. That, that scripture is really true right now, right? Make the best use of your time. So keep, let's keep our eyes, our ears, especially our hearts open for the opportunities that may come our way, praying for these divine appointments. It, this could be the best of times, in terms of the kingdom, even though it's the worst of times in terms of our culture. Think through how you would share. Let's pray for divine appointments. Let's keep praying for God to break out. Let's keep praying for God to help us. We certainly need God to be merciful at this point. He does not have to be, but we certainly need him to be. And come, join us on Saturday night. Let's seek him in prayer together. All right? Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, as we share this, none of this is 
finished stuff. It's all a work in progress. It's, it's uh, my heart trying to grapple with your truths and sharing with uh, the family you've given us uh, how, how we could respond to this, Lord. So we seek you for ways. We seek you for thoughts. Might you quicken our minds. Uh, not everybody has to do it this way. Lord, there may be uh, really excellent other ways. And if you would stir us up in your spirit and give us ways to think about that and, and how to go at it, we ask for your favor. Ask for your kindness. Ask for your mercy, not just for us, Lord, but for our community. Lord, we were planted here 21 years ago to make a difference. Lord, we seek you that this could be our finest hour. And we ask for this in your name. Amen. Amen. I invite you to stand as you're able to close this morning, simply asking God to use us as the body of Christ for his glory. So we invite you to enter in with us.
Again, help us in cooperate. 